and welcome to Runway Girl Network in Conversation, a deep dive into aviation and the passenger experience. I'm RGN contributing editor John Walton, and today I'm in conversation with my colleague Jason Rabinowitz under the approaches to New York's JFK Airport. Jason, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, you probably remember me from the Pexix podcast and other random, probably Wi-Fi and IFE-related articles on RGN and Airline Reporter. I am, my day job actually is Root Happy's Director of Airline Research and happy to talk with you about all things New York airports and airlines. This is the world's largest aviation market. Um, so Jason, I mean, why don't you briefly outline the airport landscape for people who aren't familiar, um, you know, who might have heard LaGuardia, Newark, Kennedy, um, but, you know, don't really have a uh, in-depth understanding of where exactly those are and how you get to them from uh, from New York City proper. All right. Well, we have three main airports all within about 16 miles of Manhattan. You have uh, JFK way out in Eastern Queens, which is our main primary international hub airport. Uh, It's kind of a pain to get out there. It's quite a trip if you're in Manhattan. Uh, It involves commuter rail and uh, another rail link. It's far out there, but it's by far our biggest, most important airport. On the other side of Queens, on the uh, northwest side, you have LaGuardia, which is, uh, I don't have to tell anyone, is kind of our um, our shameful little domestic airport, uh, as our last vice president put it so nicely, um, our third world airport. And on the other side of the Hudson, we have Newark, which is mainly United's major transatlantic hub and a hodgepodge of some other Star Alliance airlines, which is these days trending to kind of be the best of the three airports. Um, Aside from the major three airports, we have Stewart Airport way to the north, about 60 miles. Out into the east on Long Island, we have Islip, which is really these days just a couple southwest flights. And way south, if you really want to get technical, we also have Atlantic City, which is, I think, still only spirit. Now, one of the things that um, a lot of people don't really understand is that all of these airports are controlled by the Port Authority. Is 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 that right, or are, or are some of those airports not Port Authority airports? So they, uh, the major airports, Newark, LaGuardia, JFK, Stewart, are all controlled by the Port Authority. Atlantic City, way down south, is sort of managed by the Port Authority, but that's what we'll, we'll talk about them. Uh, Islip is actually controlled by the town of Islip, I believe, so that is not a Port Authority property. But yeah, the the Port Authority of New York, New Jersey is this major bi-state kind of faceless organization that runs everything from the seaports to the airport to World Trade Center to uh, the PATH train that runs between New Jersey and Manhattan. And they're they're just huge. Now, let's talk about the actual passenger experience at these these airports, right? So um, there are the three main international U.S. carriers, um, of which United has essentially coalesced around Newark. Is that correct? Yeah, you'll pretty much only find United at Newark and some domestic operations out of LaGuardia. They've completely withdrawn from JFK for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Why was that? Why did they why did they leave JFK? Well, the, the only operation they had towards the end out of JFK was the PS service out to the west coast of the U.S. and I think one CRJ flight to D.C. and they wanted to consolidate their operations and it just didn't make sense to have this one route out of JFK, so they moved everything over to LaGuardia, uh, sorry, Newark, and they were able to actually double the number of PS flights out to the west coast, so it, it just made sense for them. 
Mm-hmm. And in terms of their terminal passenger experience at Newark, did they change anything about that? Yeah, and, uh, United's been steadily improving the Newark experience for a number of years now, mainly with their partner uh, OTG really upscaling the restaurants, putting in uh, iPads at all these restaurants in the gate hold areas, outlets everywhere. They've really beautified it to the most you can do with an old facility that they have at Newark. Not being said, they can't really improve the airport itself operationally, but they can make your stay during a four-hour weather delay a little more tolerable. <laughs> now, what are some of those operational challenges at Newark? Uh, so Newark is limited to really two, technically two and a half runways. They're parallel to each other, the two main runways. They're pretty close to each other. So when the weather gets slightly bad in any way, it pretty much reduces the air traffic flow in half. So instead of 60 departures or arrivals per hour, they can only do 30 or some number like that. And delays really kind of spiral out of control at Newark. But it's been getting steadily better again over the last couple of years. Right. And there was some um, kerfuffle about slots at Newark this year, wasn't there? Yeah, this this is something I really didn't understand that the FAA did. They, they determined that the the uh, slot controls that they had in place were no longer necessary because delays at Newark were actually decreasing to the point where they didn't need to do that. So as soon as they lifted the slot constraints, all these airlines piled in and started these new flights. And it just seems like uh, rather than keeping the the rather low level of delayed flights, they're piling so many more flights in that the, the delays are just going to go right back to where they were. So it, it did not make much sense to me, but it has opened up quite a bit of competition. Yeah, which I guess might might have been one of the one of the purposes. Um, so if that's United over at Newark, um, what's Delta, which is kind of in this battle with United to be New York's hometown airline, right? What's Delta doing over at uh, JFK and a little bit more at LaGuardia as well? Yeah, so Delta considers both LaGuardia and JFK hubs actually within just maybe a a 10 minute drive under the best case scenario Um, (laughs) i don't know if anyone's actually ever been able to do that but it's kind of weird that they have two hubs so close to each other but jfk is is really their their true hub where they have the um all their international flights and more uh domestic flights out to the west coast but just a couple of years ago, they opened T4, or their expansion to the existing T4, which is primarily all Delta on one side of the terminal. And they were really able to customize it and spec it out to the way Delta wanted it to. It's kind of rare in New York that we get a new terminal, or at least an airline-specific terminal. Uh, they have a beautiful Sky Club with their signature Sky Deck, a uh, beautiful check-in area. But one critique of that terminal is it is long. It just goes on and on and on. And there's actually an airside bus to take you from one end of the pier to the other. It's kind of crazy, but it's um, one of our nicer terminals. Yeah, I mean, I think I timed it um, one time when I was flying Delta. I timed a walk from the uh, Virgin Atlantic Clubhouse, which you're technically allowed to use if you're a Delta business class passenger, which is, you know, a fair bit nicer than even the relatively nice Sky Club. And it took me 15 minutes to get out to my uh, to my Delta flight gate. And that was, you know, I, I do not, I, you know, I'm in New York, I do not walk slowly in aircraft, uh, in airline terminals. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a bit, a bit challenging. Um, are there any prospects for Delta to, um, to improve that, to consolidate? 
So just recently, actually, I, I was in T4 last week, and I noticed that they did install additional moving walkways, that there simply weren't enough of them when they first opened. So they did go back after the fact and add I, I, two or three moving walkways, which has helped. They've also significantly improved Terminal 2, which used to be probably my least favorite terminal in the world, but now I actually much prefer it to T4. You can go 10 steps from security onto the plane. It's fantastic. Right, and that is the that's not the Pan Am World Port, is it? It's the sort of no. The Pan Am World Port was um, destroyed a couple of years ago to make way for some airline aircraft parking, which is probably necessary. But this was the old. Um, I think Eastern might have been in there at some point. It's been it was Song's terminal back in the uh, mid two thousands, so it, it's had its fair share of hosts. I think Pan Am was in there too at some point. Right. Exactly. Now. In terms of the, uh, I guess, the other big elephant in the room, it's American Airlines, right? And that's over at the relatively modern Terminal 8, with an increasing number of its uh, partner airlines, correct? Yeah, T8's an interesting case. It's one of our newer ones. It's not the newest, but it is still pretty new by New York standards, I guess. Uh, And it's become kind of New York's one-world hub. Several airlines have actually moved in there recently just the last week, I think Cathay Pacific moved over from uh, British Airways Terminal 7 over to T8. Uh, you have Royal Jordanian there. You have Lat- uh, Latam. You have um, just a whole bunch of One World Airlines. And it's been very interesting to see how that's kind of played out over the last couple of years. Yeah, including is it now one or both of the Qatar Airways flights? Uh, so that that's still a tricky point. Um, JFK, unfortunately, has a number of airlines that have split operations. Um, Interjet has one flight, uh, Mexico City flights from Terminal 1, Cancun flights from Terminal 7, and Qatar is the same way, where their AM flight with the A350 is out of Terminal 7, but the PM flight with the 777 is out of Terminal 8. Uh, and I haven't heard of that uh, being remedied anytime soon. Right. And what's the logic behind that? Is that just finding parking for planes at the right time? Or is there a, a wider game being so played? There, there's some speculation about why that's happening with Qatar. No one really has an answer. But for other airlines, it's um, it's definitely gate availability. In the case of Interjet, there just isn't capacity in the afternoon or evening hours at Terminal 1. And airlines actually just hate Terminal 1 and want to get out. Uh, Lot Polish actually moved from Terminal 1 over to T7 after... Uh, United have left JFK, and they put out a press release just raving about their new terminal, which is actually one of the oldest terminals. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I that BA terminal is it was originally built for BOAC, which is one of BA's predecessor airlines. Um, and you know, it's it it is showing its age, but BA is uh, planning to upgrade that one, right? Yeah, um, BA just somewhat recently revealed a $60 million plan to kind of refresh Terminal 7, not refurbish it entirely, but kind of spruce it up a bit. Um, it, it's capacity constrained. It's The security screening area is way too small for modern requirements. It never got a TSA pre-check lane, but I don't think that matters much anymore since uh, United moved out and I don't think any airlines actually participate in the pre-check. But it's just not up to modern day passenger experience requirements. Uh, the first and business class security checkpoint is actually on this side door that's on a ramp. And it's just very, very claustrophobic. It's not great, but it's good to see that they're investing some a good deal of money in it.
Yeah, I've been on the uh, security screaming ramp for BA's most valuable passengers um, in first and business class on really their bread and butter route. And you know, these are exactly people who are likely to be uh, travelling with those four-wheeled carry-on bags. And if you are not holding on to that thing for the entire time, you can just watch them slide back down the ramp towards the uh, line of waiting people. Um, it is truly a... a Look, they've done the best with the space they have, and this uh, upgrade is long overdue. Um, so, yeah, that, that'll really make a difference to the passenger experience um, on on what is, you know, BA's you know, primary route. They've got a flight pretty much every hour these days to London. Yeah, uh, and they still have that little um, A318 that goes into London City. It's a great service. It's uh, They just need to spruce up the terminal a bit before they eventually decide to knock it down and build it all over again. So who else is a really big player in the JFK market, right? So JetBlue does quite a lot uh, out of its own uh, terminal, correct? Yeah, JetBlue opened T5, their new home, uh, probably six or seven years ago, but it has aged very well. Uh, They have a huge amount of flights, growing seemingly every week. There's a new route announcement. and it's really, hands down, the best terminal experience at JFK, if not New York as a whole. Yeah. What, what makes it so? What, what can other airlines look to emulate from that JetBlue experience? Well, for one thing, it's probably the only terminal built in New York that actually is post-9-11 standards. Um, it was built with modern needs in mind, um, nice airy check-in area, nice actually sizable security area, lots of shops, lots of dining, big, wide gate hold areas that actually hold the amount of people that go onto an aircraft. That's a big problem at LaGuardia where you have 30 seats for a plane that holds 180 people now. It doesn't really work. But that's really something that other other airlines and other airports need to emulate is just from start from curb to plane, just keep the passenger experience in mind and really don't cram too many people in these tiny little gatehold areas when you have ever-increasing number of passengers on every one of these aircraft these days. Right, exactly. Um, and how about low-cost carriers in the region, right? I mean, I know that it's a pretty expensive region to fly into, which is why some of them kind of skirt around it. Um, you know, where's the pressure coming from at the bottom end of the market? So, interestingly, we've had Allegiant pop in recently now that the slot directions have been removed at Newark. They fly some pretty funky routes. I think one of them is to Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, we've had Southwest over the last decade or so move out of Islip and into LaGuardia and also Newark. Uh, Spirit, of course, is a major airline over at LaGuardia, and now they've also recently also started out of Newark. So... Uh, just domestically, there's a lot of LCC action, and that doesn't even take into account the uh, the long-haul operations we see from ULCCs like Norwegian, who's also now moving over to Newark now that the restrictions have been removed. So there is a lot happening. Yeah, and so where do you see that, that going? Is, is, is this going to be one of those things where when the slot restrictions come back, these guys get squeezed out of the market again, or...? I would hope not. I, I would hope that once they've started operations, they're kind of grandfathered in. But I, I don't think the FAA would reinstate the slot restrictions anytime soon. That would be a, a major burden on every airline operating. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so moving across the Hudson to LaGuardia, um, you've got a lot of uh, 
a lot of news items about LaGuardia these days, right? Um, it seems that barely a day goes by where I don't see some picture of someone trying to haul suitcases across the median of the Grand Central Parkway from a you know series of stuck in traffic taxis. Um, what what's going on there? How how long is it going to last? What are the plans? I mean, I know that Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo just announced some new uh, getting to LaGuardia plans. What's going on with LaGuardia? So I actually have a flight at LaGuardia in about 12 hours tomorrow morning, and I'm absolutely dreading it. So I'm out, I'm flying out of the central terminal building, Terminal B on United, which is currently being demolished as they actually rebuild it around the active operations. It's a massive project that's going to last at least until 2020, 2021, but things never really go on schedule here, so maybe a little longer, who knows. But it's basically a total demolish and start from scratch over the existing terminal while the airport runs at full capacity. It's absolutely insane. And um, for the next couple of years, LaGuardia is just going to be an absolute disaster zone. Just this past weekend, we had um, a blizzard actually on Thursday of last week. And Friday, it was just all over the news that people were, like you said, they were getting out of their cabs in the Grand Central Parkway and actually hauling suitcases through the snow. The buses weren't running because it was, it was total gridlock. This is uh, this is the new normal for LaGuardia. Um, so it sounds like folks should, should should avoid that. What what are the, I guess, what are the promises that are being made after this period of passenger experience pain? Is it all going to be exciting and new and easy to get to or or not? So the the thing about LaGuardia is that it doesn't have any real mass transit options right now. You have a couple bus lines that run to Manhattan, elsewhere in Queens, but there's no train connection. So it's really at the mercy of whatever the local traffic is doing. And if you're at all familiar with New York, local traffic could be, who knows? You never really know. I'm leaving three hours before my flight tomorrow because I simply don't know how long it's going to take me to get to LaGuardia. There's promise um, in the future after they actually rebuild the terminal to build an air train connection that kind of similar to what JFK and to a lesser extent Newark has. But the train is kind of going to go in the wrong direction out to Willits Point, Queens, where uh, City Field is where the Mets play, where it will connect with the 7 train and the Long Island Railroad, which is really the wrong direction. It's not going to be a quick connection, kind of like what JFK is. It's just the path of least resistance politically, and it's not going to be a great option, but it might be better than nothing at all. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, already it's pretty hard to get public transport from from JFK into town, to a lesser extent Newark, um, if you've got any sort of luggage at all, right? Yeah, it's doable. Uh, The Newark air train is aging. It's ready to be replaced. Just today it was out of service for a few hours, and the Port Authority had to do uh, bustitution which never works well. At JFK, it it, it runs typically pretty smooth, but it's not a quick trip. It's at least an hour to get it to Midtown. So the public transit-wise, there are no good options from any of our airports. Yeah, and and that's one of the tricks. Um, Now, obviously, Governor Cuomo has put this um, grand view of the future JFK into play, but that doesn't include any changes to AirTrain, right? No, the air train is what the air train is. It's not going anywhere. It's relatively new. Um, there's always been ideas on the books of let's extend it through existing Long Island Railroad right of way into downtown Brooklyn and be eventually a one seat ride into Manhattan. But the odds of that actually happening are very, very low. You are basically just going to see 
improvements to existing infrastructure, such as changing uh, short two-car trains to three and four-car trains and maybe bumping up the service frequency to what we originally had when the air train first opened. Right. Okay, fair enough. And then with regard to the rest of that JFK plan, um, what's that shaping up to, to really look like? That's a great question, and it doesn't really seem like anyone has any idea at this point. <laughs> uh, there have been some wild renderings that vary from uh, this looks kind of doable to what in the world is Cuomo thinking. Uh, the latest rendering that was put out a couple weeks ago is missing Terminal 8 entirely, which I think American Airlines would be pretty unhappy about because <laughs> that's kind of their home. Uh, Terminal 5, uh, JetBlue's home, remains there. Terminal 4 gets extended, and all the terminals are kind of uh, connected airside, which is a major, major hassle these days, that none of the terminals at JFK are connected airside, and it makes transferring between airlines and even code share partners like American and British Airways are in different terminals and not connected airside. So if you're connecting from BA to an American flight elsewhere in the US, you have to clear security, which is just kind of uh, a disaster. I mean, on top of security, you have to take the air train to connect to another terminal, which may or may not be working any given hour. Uh, but the plan overall is just kind of out there. It's a little outlandish. Yeah. I mean, what, just think about it. Why aren't the airside buses at JFK like there are at you know, Heathrow and, and other airports that have a, have a similar um, cobbled together overall strategy um, and a similar time period? Well, in, in the U.S., once you, if you when you clear customs on an inbound international flight, you have to re-clear security no matter what. So even if you were connecting to a domestic flight within the same terminal, you'd have to re-clear security anyway. So there really isn't that much of a benefit to having a shuttle bus airside because most people connecting are coming from international flights and that just won't really work. Theoretically, the air train should make it easy to get between terminals, but it is just so often out of service and a disaster. Well, you know, that might be why Norwegian is looking elsewhere. Um, they're planning to operate out of Stewart Airport, which is up in Newburgh, right? Yeah, that would make them, what, the third or fourth airline to serve Stewart at all. Um, it, this plan is kind of crazy when you first look at it, but when you dig deeper, it actually makes a bit of sense. I don't think they would be aiming for passengers that live in Manhattan or Queens or Brooklyn because Stewart is easily 60, 70 miles north of New York City. There's no public transit option to get there. Um, it, it's really, I don't think it's meant for people in New York. It would be meant more for people in Albany or Connecticut or really that wide region, maybe even Westchester. And these flights would be going transatlantic for people who don't want to trek all the way down to JFK or across a couple rivers and expensive bridges and traffic over to Newark. So they may actually... I can't believe I'm saying this, but beyond to something. Yeah, and I mean, don't forget, there's a there's that European history for low cost carriers of operating a bus service from whatever the town is that you're flying to, out to the airport, right? I mean, Ryanair created an entire operation at Treviso near Venice, which literally was, you know, an old, I think, an old Air Force airfield it was basically a runway and a shed, and they just bus people in and out of Venice. Um, so, I mean, you could theoretically with a one-seat ride from Manhattan, get to Stewart by bus, compared with the options at JFK, which are, you know, 
a little a little trickier unless you do take that um you know that bus that goes across 42nd street the, what is it it's not the gray line anymore but you know what i mean uh the airporter i think yeah 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 th- there's definitely options uh there's also metro north that goes somewhat near uh stewart airport and normally you could even just run a shuttle bus between the nearby train station and the airport it, it's feasible um, but New Yorkers are, are fickle. We really do not want to travel 70 miles north and then rely on a connecting shuttle bus to get to the airport. So I really do think this is more for um, the northern suburbs. And there, I, I it's, we'll have to see where it goes, but it's definitely interesting. It, it, and you're right, it is kind of like uh, Ryanair having Londonish or Parisish airports. Well, this Stewart is definitely New York-ish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's. Uh... Are they going to be operating that as a as a hub so that you're connecting people through there? It, it, they are opening a crew base, yeah. It, it's a bit odd. I don't know if they'll have any connecting flights out of um, Stewart since they aren't actually allowed to operate any domestic flights, but maybe they move their uh, Caribbean flights out from JFK up to Stewart. It's possible. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's an interesting move. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I share a lot of your... Um, suspicions about whether you know new yorkers particularly people who aren't in manhattan you know people in brooklyn and queens are going to want to make that trek but you know if you're if you do think about it there's a fair amount of um you know the the whole Terrytown is the new brooklyn uh sort of market you know hip, hipsters hipsters live in westchester now um, exactly and so you know having lived in westchester myself it's that trick of well actually a 45 minute drive in the car i already have to Stewart over a bridge which probably isn't going to be that busy, or a one to two hour drive, including a trip down the Van Wick, which you add another 30 minutes just in case you have to go down the service road because the Van Wick is stuck. That starts to sort of, you know, to break into people's cost benefit thing, especially if it's, you know, $200 cheaper, $300 cheaper, because you don't have to pay JFK rates. Yeah, exactly. If you could save a good chunk of change, people might consider it. If the operating costs are that much lower, and they possibly are, it's uh, it could work. Yeah. Now, here's one question for you: If if you were advising Governor Cuomo and the other people who are, um, you know, trying to make New York airports better, what what would be your your top thing to do with them? There needs to be some sort of centralized control. Uh, there's this hashtag that goes around on Twitter, um, disband the Port Authority. They just have too much going on. They don't have concentration on anything. Anytime there's an issue, they kind of just pass it on to the airline or the operating terminal. And it, it just kind of, it makes everything that much more difficult. It, I would like personally to see a, a New York airport group take over control of our airports give Newark back to New Jersey, let them do what they want to do with it. But there needs to be a a government agency that focuses only on the airports. I don't think that's too outlandish. But when you have this massive bi-state agency that just does way too much, they don't do any of it particularly well. So there's no accountability for anything that goes on at airports. And that's what I think needs to be improved upon the most. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Well, that's it for today's conversation. Um, We certainly hope you enjoyed it, and we're always keen to find out what you think. Please feel free to email me at john at runwaygirlnetwork.com with any suggestions. And thank you to our guest, Jason Rabinowitz. Where can our listeners find you, Jason? 
So you can find me at Airline Flyer on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me, of course, right here on RGN. You can find me on Airline Reporter, and you can find me at my day job at Root Happy. And as ever, you can find me on Twitter at That John, and everything from Runway Girl Network on Twitter at Runway Girl and at RunwayGirlNetwork.com. Thanks for listening.